where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. comfortably welcome back to liberty lounge with tim tyso and as you can see tonight we are in the lounge deep in the lounge and it's good to be with you again dear listener uh on the liberty coalition canada channels uh whether you are on us with uh with your podcast or with the rumble channel uh we're glad that uh, you're joining us and this is a very special episode we have been tracking with something uh going on um, in Canada here for some time and uh, we're going to get to what we're talking about. We are talking about the release of Antichrist in His Ruin, the documentary. But before we go there and before I introduce my esteemed guests and uh, dapperly adorned guests, I do want to, uh, the lights are already dimmed and the uh, lounge atmosphere is, um, is luxuriously flowing. So tonight I just want to take you through some thoughts that I've had as we're uh, as we approach the release of this film and as it's now out, and uh, and, and we're going to get into it. But I, I do want to first share, dear listener, um, some of my reflections as we go into the end of 2022, and that is that it is a rare and generational privilege to be granted a view of the gaping chasm that opens just above a massive cultural fault line. I mean by that to witness the earth shift so dramatically as to split a culture in a way so fundamentally as to wonder how two sides ever got along before. In March 2022, the ground rumbled and wine glasses clinked in the cupboards. What was expected to be a momentary health scare erupted across the world in a sort of irreversible chemical reaction. Part of the experience at first is shock, which mainly derives from the fact that fault lines spend most of their existence far away from the daily consciousness of the public. The unseen nature of these natural geographic divisions belie their stubborn existence. Dress it up as you like, but the San Andreas fault line is no respecter of Tinseltown. And so, an event like 15 days to slow the spread can trigger a seismic societal meltdown. And that's because our culture has unwittingly and mindlessly wandered from the stable ground established by our forebears to set up camp in the wilderness of cultural relativism and religious multiculturalism. For decades, we have have managed to maintain our social fabric by weaving a tapestry of the trivial. Shallow and hollow values have replaced the deep culture needed to hold together a nation. When the crisis struck, we were surprised to find our homes constructed on sand, being struck by the waves and melting hopelessly into the earth. So in the aftermath, we gaze into the chasm left by deep cultural divides exposed by this crisis. For those willing to honestly assess the wreckage, there are troubling questions about how quickly the disaster unfolded at basically freefall speed, into spheres that we thought had nothing to do at all with health. 
and what must be done in our efforts to rebuild. Millions then turned to names like Alex Jones, Tucker Carlson, Russell Brandt, Joe Rogan, Elon Musk, Ron DeSantis, and others who became staple personalities in the quest for analysis, reason, and truth, when an honest version of any of those seemed impossible from traditional sources. And yet in days of upheaval and schism, there is one traditional source to which our culture, I argue, must once again return in order to regain our footing, and that is the clergy. The men of God who will stand on civilization's cornerstone, the only lasting deep culture, the person and revelation of Jesus Christ. Cataloging the damage is easy. Anyone with a keyboard and a microphone can point out the flames licking up the last of our institutions, but few can lay out a blueprint for the rebuild. Wars and rumors of wars abound. Digital ID, centralized currency, travel restrictions, speech laws, medical surveillance, advancing globalism, inflation, moral chaos. We indeed are standing at the precipice of Western civilization itself. And there is nobody from whom I want to hear more than a man who can handle the word of God, who contends for God's truth as the only path back to liberty and peace. These tonight are such men, these men in the lounge with me. They just walked out of the premiere of Antichrist and His Ruin, the documentary. One that doesn't just chronicle the disaster that was COVID-19, but one that gets to the bottom of our cultural schism. And while many pastors are now sheepishly calling for a COVID truce, to sweep this crisis under the rug and repaint the walls, these men recognize what Rehoboam did not. That this thing is indeed from God. I argue that we are in days of divine division, and I think what you're about to hear is that we are calling for times of slow and deep obedience to God as being the only path forward. And so with me tonight is uh, Dr. Reverend Michael Thiessen, Matthew Halleck, Andrew DiBartolo, and of course, Jacob Rayum. I want to go first uh, to Jacob. It is nice to be uh, in the lounge with you. This is your uh, your beautiful digs. We're on your turf. And uh, it's nice to see you looking so relaxed. Jacob, I, I just want to hear your reaction. You were sort of, walk us through, you just walked out of this film. You were sort of the, this is your brainchild. This is your baby um, that you just saw kind of come to fruition in, in front of an audience of hundreds there in Waterloo. Um, just walk us through your reaction to the film and uh, maybe a little bit about why you made it. And, and how does it feel to see it hit an audience? Um, and did it land the way that you were hoping tonight? Well, I feel really relaxed right now. You look it. I'm just, this has been a long time coming, and a lot of people have been working hard to, to pull this off, and it's been, it's just wonderful to have it out there now. And, you know, six, seven hundred people have experienced this documentary with us, and, uh, I mean, these brothers will be able to tell you better what the reaction was, but my sense is the people received it well, and they're quite excited to distribute it uh, when we finally make it available to the public. Yeah. The, the vision was to put our COVID-19 crisis, really the church crisis, the, the government reaching out against the church to put it within a broader narrative story that's being written. And it's a story that started many years ago. It wasn't, it wasn't a story that all of a sudden happened in 2020. 
there was a story that happened. Well, we went back all the way to the 17th century. I enjoyed that. Yeah, we went back to John Bunyan, the Baptist preacher of old, who was the first prisoner under King Charles II. And we told his story. We drew some parallels between his story and our story. And then we examined a really unknown, obscure book that he wrote just before he died mm-hmm. called Of Antichrist in His Room. And that book was written, I mean, basically Bunyan's ministry he is he was one, his entire ministry was a witness against an Antichrist state that had been taken by the papacy. And that book was written at the end of his life because he saw this arbitrary rule of government rising again. And uh, we examined it, and we put it within our context and tried to make some application as we told the story of Canada. Jacob, I think that when we're, we're talking to a broad audience here, a lot of non-churched um, individuals who tune into this show and, and the ones that Mike listens to and, and the one that Debart and uh, Halleck do. Uh, and, this is, and this is why we wanted to bring your film uh, into our sort of broadcast schedule, because what I said off the top, I believe, and that is that the church has uh, the keys and the answer to, to what is going on in our culture right now. And we can get, we can get really lost in the weeds with, with practical things and practical responses, but really this is a deep spiritual problem. And uh, I, thought, I, thought the fil- I, thought th- I think this film is really the only one that's going to explain COVID in, in its truthful context. It's the only one that's going to explain the last three years with any kind of cogent historic route, uh, with any view to the future. So, uh, again, we're glad you're joining us tonight, and I and I hope you'll stick around just to uh, to bounce some more things off you um, as we unpack this. But D. Bartolo, Tyson, Halleck, how are you guys doing? It's good to have you again uh, in in the lounge with us tonight. Mike, how are you feeling? You're feeling good. It's been a long day, so Jacob's ready to go to bed, and he's relaxed <laughs> because he finally got this major work out. D-Bart has been crying like a baby all day long. All weekend. All weekend. All weekend. Being with all the Freedom Pastors, it's been awesome. There's weakness in the Italian stallion. Um, Matthew has been... My hair has been on fire because you're telling me to do things. That's right. (laughs) We're trying to to record the the energy, the excitement about this. Um, I want to start with two thoughts that are really important. And uh, Tim, we would love to have you up here with us. And I know you shouldn't be here, but one of the things you would have experienced and what what people need to experience about the premiere of this movie is the generosity of Trinity Bible Chapel. Mm -hmm. And Jacob, you guys, you, you have this vision and you have generously brought and told other people's stories. And... I just want to go on record, really, like, this is a big thing for me this weekend. We're going to talk about the film in a minute, but because Jacob is um, clear and because Jacob is passionate, people don't understand the big teddy bear encourager that you are to so many people. And I just want to say thank you very sincerely for this movie. And then, of course, you said we could tell... Like, Tim, it was a standing ovation. Everybody online, it was a standing ovation. 
people were crying throughout the film. And it wasn't because we were propping up men. Yes, there was the joyful experience of telling a story of watching families that were faithful to the Lord. But it was the context, and it was the context of the whole thing preaches Christ. Like, Christ or Antichrist, God or man. And when, when you live in that context, when we return to those biblical paradigms of the vision of the world, the way that the Lord has revealed to us the way that the world is, and that is it is either his way and by his design and through his gospel and through the uh, work of the Lord Jesus Christ, or it is by man's utter imagination and all the crazy that comes with it, all the evil that comes with it, the whole thing was about Christ. So COVID becomes about Christ. The moment you say, Jesus is Lord, and then we got to figure out how to obey him, while the rest of the world's going to fight that. Every conversation goes back to Jesus, and we're doing our job again. So we're talking about very real issues. One of the things that I watched during the film was I watched different people. I'm not going to out them. But... Except for Deepak. Except for Deepak, <laughs> who was sitting beside me. He came and cuddled, and then he wept like a baby. I did. Um, Could you really? Well, I did I did, I did. did a little bit of a mildly inappropriate cuddle just to get a reaction. You wept? I was crying, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. the crying, not yeah, yeah. about the cuddle. Oh, I must confess that. I want to affirm both. This guy, eh? Well, you know what? To your point, that's, this is what our detractors... And this is what the people don't understand. And this is what this is what came out in the documentary. Seeing Tim, seeing Steve Richardson, James Coates, this emphasis. We're not doing this to make a name for ourselves. We're not doing this to to make a yeah. point or to be inherently political. We're doing this because we love Christ. Amen. Right. And that's the thing that all the criticism, even even the letter from the seminary professor was slanderous and inflammatory. The criticism was, they're doing this to make a name. They're doing this, and I'm reading this thing. You obviously don't know these guys. I really hope right? that everybody watches the film. Yep. Yeah. So, my guy, because you can't, you can't fake, you can't fake there's the heart of these men. In there yeah. There's some people who are in all of our lives that have been in our lives for years who were saying, "Look, there was failure here," but the film brings you back to Christ and the context of the church's work. I just want to say this. So what I was, I was watching people and you, man, we talked a lot about the law. We talked a lot about politics. We talked a lot about history. We talked about concrete issues and you could watch people going, are we really, are we really supposed to be, are we, am I really hearing this in a church? We're talking about such concrete issues. But you couldn't peel back the discussion about the Lordship of Christ. You couldn't separate it. It, it. So good. Jacob, you guys hit it out of the park. Everybody needs to watch it. I'm going to jump in here, Mike, because I, I, and then I'm going to go to Matt, give you a chance to react. Um, but for our listeners, if you haven't seen the trailer yet, Antichrist in his ruin, um, you haven't thought about seeing this, uh, you just want kind of news headlines. You want to know what the the next thing the government's doing, the next stupid thing Trudeau did. We get that. Uh, you know, we really believe this is a central piece to to who we are at the Liberty Coalition. 
it is that we assert Jesus Christ as the source of liberty. Uh, Rayum has a couple great lines in this film that just crystallize that. But I just want to I just want to make a plug actually for listeners to sit down and spend the time watching this because it is a as Brayum said it is a masterful tour de force going from I mean you say you say go back to 17th century we went back I think Joe Boot took us back to the 8th century 9th century anything else but the great right in terms of history the story of the english speaking people started with king alfred the great yeah and it has been successive wars with antichrist establishments ever since and here yeah. we are again with another one yeah was in the middle of war with the danes where yeah. the danes were savagely like the communists of world war ii mm-hmm. just savagely coming through the land mm-hmm. and pillaging and raping and murdering and burning Mm-hmm. And God called him to Christ, and he called his people to Christ, mm-hmm. and, and and called many of the Danes to Christ. Yeah, and Antichrist was ruined in his generation, mm-hmm. you know, and as he must be in ours. And yeah, it, like the comments that I want to give are from a different perspective. I'm the only lay person in this con- conversation. You guys are all pastors, shepherds of flocks, overseers of the people, and I'm also from a church that complied with mandates. Mm-hmm. So my perspective is to be able to meet you guys, to be able to meet so many men who are leading congregations, faithful men who leave their sheep out in, in the cold. I get mm-hmm. emotional thinking about it because over the last two and a half years, I've been fighting to, to have those men lead me and, and stand firm on principle. And to see, you guys aren't just, the, you. yes, you're rowdy Christian pastors, but it's because you have firm convictions rooted in scripture. And the when I saw, we were talking in just before we were setting up and everything, you're, the staff who have just absolutely been amazing here in Waterloo, everybody's walking through. You were shaking hands, thanking them, by name, that's the type of stuff that we're, we're talking about here. So many people would have looked at this conference and wrote it off. Oh, these are just these rowdy, lawless preachers trying to, make trying to mark themselves in history. And what it's felt like as a family reunion from top to bottom. And it's truly been an inspiring experience and one of great hospitality friendship. And it's truly, it is even just Steve starting us off yesterday. I haven't had a spike driven through my heart that furiously and been under conviction of sin that much in under preaching in a while. And that's not something that can be fake. That's Mm. not hype. That's not hysteria. That's the anointing of God's spirit. It's just at work. And so so I've, I've been blessed by it all. And um, I'm, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful we got connected up in God's providence. And it feels like the culmination of what I know all of us have been fighting for for two and a half years to kind of get together. But also we know the battle has, has just begun. And, and um, we got to get in our prayer closets and, and keep fighting um, with prayer and stuff like that. So that's that's my perspective what i've taken away from not only the film but but also just um the interactions i've been able to have with uh with 
all of you. So, and uh, Matt, I I, uh, I I envy the uh, I envy your analysis there, and obviously uh, the joy that's taking place between between you fine men. Um, again, just to just to keep our listeners up to speed with this, um, as 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 the boys over there just uh, consummate it has, yeah. Um, this film, again, this film, for, for those who have followed Liberty Coalition Canada, and there are thousands of you, um, and we love our listeners and our followers, and, and just walking them through what this has been like. I mean, me and Mike two years ago going through, you know, cost-benefit analysis, um, uh, you know, studies, and just just trying to get our heads around the evils that were taking place. Um, and and I think a few men... But, you know, Di Bartolo, you put you in this group too, were able to analyze this truly from a divine perspective, that this was not a matter of government incompetence or even mere ambition or hubris on the part of our sort of um, infl- uh, self-inflated uh, leaders. But this was actually, uh, th- there's a spiritual realm to this. And, you know, you guys, I want to talk about your evangelistic opportunities and the way you were able to reach out to the unchurched through how you responded to this. Um, but Jacob, I mentioned off the top, um, Rehoboam, after the kingdom of Israel splits, this is a biblical story for those who don't know, First Kings. Thanks, I wasn't sure. Uh, not you, you're a scholar. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously talking to the audience. <laughs> Mike forgets people. people actually listen to this show, Mike, besides you, you know. Um, um, Rehoboam, the kingdom splits, right? And, and, and Rehoboam pulls together 18,000 people and he's like, we're going to go crush those uh, jerks who just threw me out of the kingdom and I'm going to go win back my territory. And a man of God comes to Rehoboam and says, don't bother. Send your men home. This thing is from God. And I actually read that story just this morning and I thought, what, what a poignant way um, to actually summarize what's going on in Canada. This is from God. Jacob, can you speak to how you as a pastor took this cultural and political and medical crisis and moved it into the realm of spiritual analysis and shepherding. I mean, you talk about Matt Halleck over here talking about the need for shepherding. People are looking for a shepherd in a time of crisis. So walk me through how you moved that conversation and and, and then how your shepherding has changed in light of some of the cultural developments around this. My message on on COVID uh, has been the same pretty well since it started. And that is that if it's done anything, it has exposed the absolute folly of secularism. Mm -hmm. And it's showing what happens to a people who forsake God. And so I have really trying to, I've been trying to beat that drum since March, 2020. Mm And it's there. There are people that were spooked and did a lot of really dumb things because they were spooked. And as Christians, we I mean, a lot of professors and Christians, sadly, are still fearful. But as Christians, we're not to be fearful people and we're not to operate by fear of fear of the Lord. And that's it. So I have really tried my darndest to teach our people to not be fearful, to be courageous and then beyond that, to use this as an evangelistic opportunity. Because I think that it is an incredible evangelistic opportunity. We've seen it in our church where people have been saved because all of a sudden people are asking questions. Mm-hmm. What is going on with this country? Like yeah. We just baptized a guy 
last week or the week before, I can't remember, he said he got saved because he was uh, an atheist and he got saved or he's, yeah, he's atheist and he got saved because he realized that evil exists. Hmm. And he didn't, like our church is all over the media in Kitchener and Waterloo and he came out here and he said, I never heard about your church because I just shut the news off. I didn't even believe, you know, it's just nonsense. And then finally someone said, hey, there is, he got saved. And then someone says, there is a church there that did take a stand. He came out here to baptize him. Hmm. And um, this is, that's one story. I don't know how many dozens, I, well, well, well over a hundred hmm. we've baptized. And, and these are people who legitimately were rattled and, and all of their presuppositions were destroyed. And they're looking for the reason this is going on. And we have the reason that we're a nation under judgment. And one of the things I want to do with this documentary is to expose and declare how much we have forsaken as a people. Yeah. Like we literally are like Esau. We've sold our birthright for a bowl of soup. And what do we get? We get a bunch of government bureaucrats that tell us to put masks on, stay home, stay safe. And destroy our lives. Had we had the law of God as our firm foundation and faith in Jesus Christ when this began, this that wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have happened. And something you guys outlined in the documentary was that this is not a this is not a new development. No. Right? That this is and and looking and especially as Andre in the documentary outlined a lot of the decisions, you know, in the last sixty, seventy years. This, this is not. This is one of the things that I, I've said at our church. What we're seeing right now is not what brings the judgment of God. Mm -hmm. This is the judgment of God by way of off the cliff, like on our way down to the bottom of it. Giving right? Over. Yeah. And so you know, one of the things that one of the discussions that's come about this is comparing Canada to the United States. And when I talk with my American friends, I'll let them know that. Part of the reason why I think we're seeing it worse here than they are there is because if we just look at the dates of certain legislations having been passed, we legalized the murder of babies here before they did down there. Where we profane marriage here before they did down there. And we you know, we murder more babies per capita here than they do every year, given the population size. And so in all these ways, especially given the history of our country as being one that's even more thoroughly Christian than the United States. We so quickly adopted evil practices and rejected the law of God long before they did down there. So is there any surprise that we would feel the weight of your judgment up here? Of course not. Right. And this is, we, we've talked about this before on the show that the irony of Canadian hubris is that we look down and say, Oh, we're not like them. Mm -hmm. No, we're worse. As a nation, we're much worse than them, mm. and we do more evil, and we've been doing it longer than they have. So, of course, we deserve, as a nation, the leaders we get and the wickedness that we get. We brought it upon ourselves. I, I want to jump in here, and uh, Tim, you started this part of the conversation asking Jacob how how he turned this situation into a shepherding and, and, and spiritual moment where he understood it well and then responded. You know, I, it's very clear in the film that all of us are indebted to the deep thought uh, of Andre Schutten, mm -hmm. 
a Canadian lawyer, works with ARPA. He's a fellow at the Ezra Institute. And, and, and Joe Boot. Like, Joe isn't able to be here with us. Mm -hmm. And... I missed uh, him, but I know he had previous existing engagements. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But he, he would want to be I've here. thought so many times it'd be great to see Joe. It would have been... Yeah. But I know like, he... I know... I was waiting for him to jump out of a cake. And, like, I, and I know that he would love to be here. I know that he'd love to be here. <laughs> like, I, just, I just thought there was going to be, like, some, like... A King George's cross cake with Joe's... Yeah, he's British. Popping up a little. Trifle, not a cake, right? A trifle thing. <laughs> yeah. Tea in his hand. That's right, with a tea with tea in his hand. Goes back to the history. Goes back to the understanding of sphere sovereignty. We talked about that, how important it is that every um, every authority that God has established is it respects its sphere that it's been given. We, we, we have concrete discussions from Andre walking us through... And Jacob, you did a fantastic job on the history as well, the the, the um, like kind of the event history. But to have the resource of constitutional lawyers like James Kitchen, who, by the way, these are the guys who consulted us and 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 warned us all, like, hey, if we give up these freedoms, two things. Number one, it's a very serious thing. You're not being selfish by. Uh, understanding this moment as an infringement on your freedoms, but also these Christian men who understand the, the the deep foundation that we had in biblical law and practically, and that's really where, that's really where for me the film just became so obvious. That I celebrated it the whole time. It we really have become a secular church that mm -hmm. does not believe the word mm -hmm. for what the word. Declares. One thing that um, has been ringing through my mind since March 2020 is a uh, something that a well-known church history professor, I won't name him, said, I heard him say uh, years ago, before all this started. I'm sorry, everybody wants you to name him, but we don't know, don't, don't. It's There's no happen. point, there's no point. Yeah. And he said that he was meeting with some Chinese Christians at a church in Toronto. And he asked them what they thought of the Canadian church. This is years before COVID. And these Chinese believers said that the Canadian church, speaking of evangelicals, <laughs> reminds them of the state church in yeah. China. Yeah. Because they simply tote the government line. Yeah. Hmm. And it's hmm. just, it's a, and, and they're, they're not, and, and he said that, is a condemnation of the Canadian church. Mm -hmm. This history, history professor, he knows who he is if he listens to this. You probably know, you know who he is. And he was, he was an advocate for the government during the season. Yep. Still is, as far as I know. And, and he himself is an expert in Puritan history. <clears throat> and for him to, to abandon this Puritan nonconformist heritage when he ought to know better, is just sad. And you just wonder where people are at. And it's I, never too late I, to repent. I think that's one of the things that tripped up so many people. Uh, Christians may be at the top of the list, but a lot of folks who looked at relatives um, with various medical background or legal background or religious background and said, of all people, they should know better. 
of all people, they should be defending me. They should be stepping out. I, you know, I have a friend who's a Christian, who's a doctor, um, in my, in my hometown. And, um, you know, privately he would encourage what I was doing and believed in what I was speaking out against. And, and, and I thought, what could be more powerful than a man equipped in medical knowledge, but also with the spirit of God and the word of God and the law of God, what a powerful force we could be speaking out together, but it just wouldn't happen. Right. And, and so a lot of us felt this, like what, where's the disconnect here between under seeing the historic, you know, realities that are, that are going on and the, the, the undercurrents that are affecting what's going on. And the fact that when push comes to shove, we become state allies and, and, and voice pieces for the state. And nobody dream, nobody aspires to that. No young Christian aspires to one day grow up and be compliant with the state, right? And yet this became the destiny and this has become the legacy of a huge portion. The vast majority of evangelicalism in Canada has left a legacy of uh, state reinforcement. And that may be one of the biggest tragedies. Because the pulpits don't deal with real life issues. They're with with the threat of saying you're politicized. They don't want to talk about anything that's meaningful, and it's we've got to overcome this this insecurity about how people view us, but also this this mouse trap that keeps trapping everybody with you're being too political, like. We're talking about law, we're talking about righteousness, we're talking about goodness, we're talking about the ability to proclaim Christ by defining what's immoral, you know? Nobody, wants, nobody in Canada thinks they're bad, they we're think also, they're good. We're, we're, also, we're also advocating for a far smaller civil government. If we had our way, the sphere of family and church would thrive in society, and, and politics would not be such a part of our lives the problem is as you guys do a good job in the documentary showing is the secular humanistic godless statism has got its tentacles in every single sphere of human life and i laugh at trudeau saying the government has no uh no no business in the bedroom of canadian citizens but they tell you which uh, direction your toilet should flow uh, what type of drywall you can use. They absolutely, every jot and tittle of our lives is managed by these tyrants. And that quote was really powerful because if you catch it, Trudeau Sr. said, if it becomes a public thing, that's a totally... Well, yes, yeah, yeah. Totally. That quote, yeah. like, I do want to, Tim, I don't know if you've got a plan for the show, but I do want to have favorite moments in the movie. Okay. Yeah, everyone should think of theirs. Okay, I've got five. Okay, okay. Um, but, just, but but just I want to go back. I want to go back to what Mike was saying about uh, how pastors are under the mousetrap of uh, being labeled as too political, and so it <clears throat> it veers them off of a whole range of subjects. And that's why I want to go back to our viewers who, who, may, who may be listening to this conversation from the outside and saying, I mean, these are a bunch of church guys talking, you know, inside baseball. In this documentary, <clears throat> what you get is not only a cultural analysis from a Christian perspective, <clears throat> but you actually get a lot of expert uh, testimony and 
analysis regarding history and economics um, and law and ethics. And, and there, there's a whole range of subjects that you're actually going to hear analyzed from an explicitly Christian standpoint from men who are not just fumbling around, you know, in the, in the economic section of the library. Um, but, you know, the, Jonathan uh, Wellen, Wellen? Uh, from Rocklink, head of the investment firm, right? Like people who know what they're talking about and yet are are, are on a... You got to be on top of who our sponsors are, Tim. Yes, sir. Shout out to Jonathan Wellam at Rocklink Investment Partners. Info, info at rocklink.com. On that yeah. ad read. Jonathan. He's a, He's a good yeah. man. I got to do a, a quick interview with him. Anyways, yes, Jonathan Wellam, caliber guy. So my point in saying this is Pick the documentary up, go download it or whenever it comes out and give it an honest look through and, and see if you can find, you know, gaping holes in the history or, or gaping errors in the analysis. What you're going to find is solid Christian analysis. And I would challenge our listeners, you know, to find a more rational explanation, to find a more reasonable approach, to find a more accurate um, and, and spot on sort of analysis and diagnosis. I, you don't have it. And I think what, what we're trying to what we're trying to argue is that righteousness in the Lord is the bedrock foundation for society. And, and if I could jump in there, uh, I I have very many from group playing in bands, have a lot of atheistic friends playing hockey, music, whatever. Um, I talk to them about the state of our culture, and everybody knows there's a cancer. Everybody knows something's broken. And they can't put their finger on it. And that's what I think the documentary does such a good job of, is it, it traces that history dating back to the ninth century of a lot of what our beloved friends who, and listeners who might not be Christians, what they've taken as the common good is centuries upon centuries of the inculcation of Christian values and virtues in society, and the reason you understand it as the common good is because it is good, but also because that, like, there, there's, there's, there's such a biblical basis to that. So when people dec decry the polarization in our society, it's because we have an antichrist society. Mm -hmm. To tear down yep. that foundation and that common good at every moment they see it and that's what we have we you it's so insane to to lament the current state of our culture and the political polarization when you do, when it's so obvious from the history that what we're experiencing is a radical revolution hmm. um, by ideologues um, and matt, that's what we try to talk about on our programs a lot matt i'm so glad you just went there <clears throat> when you talk about canadians whoever christians decrying the division and i and i i want to go back to rayum on this because you are you have been called divisive and you know what a cliche that has become if you took a stand for liberty in any way in the last three years you no doubt were labeled divisive that's true of every man in that room probably everybody out in that auditorium who watched the film <clears throat> we've all been called divisive and the great sin of our time is being divisive and when the stakes become this high when you're talking about the division between understanding what a man is, what a woman is, 
And we're not talking about progressive tax rates here, whether we should tax corporations 12% or 14%. We are talking about foundational civilizational questions about what the meaning of life is, what a human being is. And so should we expect anything less than the answers to be divisive? Now this documentary, though it is sweet and though it is uh, pithy and though it is um, full and, and, and it's the full fruition of the spiritual devotion of these men and their love for Christ, it is also highly divisive. And I don't say that as, a, as an attack. I say that as a, a statement of fact. And I think if you're gonna deal with the cultural context that we're in, if you're gonna deal with it in a way that's at all helpful, you have to divide. You have to divide between idolatry and truth. Um, you have to divide between apostasy and, and true worship. So I, I know what you're saying when you're saying that it's divisive. I understand what you're saying. It's, it's calling you to, to, to pick sides, mm -hmm. which is what Christ does anyway. So I don't have any guilt in that, mm -hmm. nor should any of us. But I, don't, but I think it's a unifier. Mm -hmm. You look around that room today, you've got guys from various different Reformed traditions, yes, Presbyterian traditions, Baptist traditions, um, independent traditions, and there is there is a lot, there is a great theological and diversity within that room that is uniting. Now they're orthodox in their views of the Trinity, and I'd say most are broadly confessional, and you know soteriologically Calvinistic, and so on. But there is a broad range uh, on the spectrum there, and and this is this is what you call a a confessional catholicity because it is a great. There's no doubt in my mind. This is a very unifying event for us, mm -hmm. and I'm seeing this documentary is unifying. Because even the men that were interviewed in the documentary are from different traditions. Mm -hmm. John Koopman, that brother is a tank. I have so much respect for John Koopman. Mm -hmm. And he's Take a reformed man. pastor from Chilliwack. You had Brent Smith. He's a Calvary Chapel pastor from Vancouver area. You've got James Coates from Edmonton who is, you know, pre-millennial and... Right. Yeah, he's a, he was trained at Master's Seminary. You've got Boot, Joe Boot, and, you know... The godfather of Canadian theonomy. <laughs> that's the, what, the, that's the what they say boy. about him. Yeah. The dark shadow yeah. of Canadian. Yeah. You know, you... But, you, but this, all as I'm trying to say is, and I'm just naming a few, Andre Shooten, Canadian Reformed, that this is a broad Steve Richardson, Presbyterian, broad range of, of men that have stood up and have united together on the most important issue. And I think it is the the most beautiful and pure and godly type of ecumenism I've ever seen. You well, I, wanna, I wanna comment on that quickly because there was there was um about a, a couple weeks after the convoy all imploded in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. Uh, we met together at an undisclosed location filled with cigar smoke. Um, Nothing so, like this. 
Yeah, two months. <laughs> so th this probably would have been late February, early March, and we were all meeting there. There was about thirty or forty of us there, and this you also you just you you actually came with a bag of cigars to announce the 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 arrival of your. Oh yeah, cigars. now I know what you're talking. About. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so. So we were standing there and we were talking about our time in Ottawa. We were talking about how it ended. And I was there and Steve Richardson was there and Benjamin Hicks was there. And then you had all the same thing, all these guys. And I remember you made a comment. You were kind of behind me sitting down and you kind of tapped a guy on your right. And the comment that you made that I overheard was, look at this. This is a, this is a glorious, good kind of ecumenism, mm -hmm. right? And even then we understood that there were things that bound us together mm -hmm. that even though we held to different confessions and even then it's funny, we even had the, there were some baptism discussions even then mm -hmm. all the guys in that room, mm -hmm. which also constitutes many of the men who were there today, that that which unites us and our understanding of what's actually going on in our country, well, look, we band together and that's a, that's the good kind God, of God has, God has brought together the elves and the dwarfs mm -hmm. and the hobbits. Which one are you? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, probably just a little old hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely a dwarf. With your stature, <laughs> that's really good. Uh, I was thinking orc for a moment, but it couldn't. That's a bad thing. They're the bad ones. You're probably an elf. Clean shaven. I wish I was an elf. We all know clearly where I would have been. Like Who's Gandalf? Dwarfs are made for spring. Scott Jacobson. No, I, see, I, I want to jump, jump in on this as well because the division thing, it, it's both divisive and it's both unifying because again, mm -hmm. it goes back my original utter praise of the film is that it returns the church back to speaking about the worship of Christ. It turns the church back to, teach, to speaking about the atonement of Christ. Because if you see the Lordship of Christ, people are like, well, yeah, I know that Jesus has authority. And you go, okay, great, we're going to take that very seriously. And then they go, but you're, you sound like a crazy fool in the world. And you go, yes, because I have this authority from the Lord because the, it's the Lord's authority. And the only reason I cling to it is because he's also such a good Savior. And so I agree with you, Jacob. It it's very unifying, and it, but it's unifying of the true church. That's right. And I don't mean to say that in the sense that all of these evangelicals who are currently confused right now are not the true church, but they're on the verge. And it's a dangerous place to be. And if you repent of your sin, of just staying out of the fray... And, and you return to this understanding that I preach Christ in all things. I, I like, you know, the, the video did it great. And, and, and your sermon today, actually, in, uh, in your session today, you hit on it twice, Jacob, uh, where you hit it. The first thing you said is, you know, the preaching of the gospel is a confrontation. Uh, you said it. It is political because it confronts worldly kingdoms. So there's a pardon offered to the traitors. The pardon offered is, but it comes at a price. You got to give for your little kingdom. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that you said, we were talking about the mark of the beast and and how you know people uh, were understanding that. Of course, it's it's the mark of man, and where you know, man uses 
physical symbols like bracelets when you go into a conference to mark you and tell you you belong. You're still and I got red, you got green. What happened? I don't know. I, got, I still. I, I don't know what it means. Do not conform. Very um, pretty. And and the reason for the the actual physical marks of the beast that they try to put upon you so that they can identify you reflects what they really want is that they want you to be marked by the beast's law. They want you to be marked by the worldview of the beast. They want mm -hmm. you to actually become an understanding. So I'll jump, jump in yeah. two seconds, but let me finish it. So, so you said, look, like, that's why it's a reference back to the Shema. Mm -hmm. the, on, your, on your hand, and you said where you work, you work with your hands, mm -hmm. and where you think. And it's so practical. And that's where we're losing. Mm -hmm. We're losing proclaiming Christ in all the places where we go to work. Mm -hmm. And where our brains work and how we deal with the real world. And it's, a, it's really exciting. I, you, you jump yeah, in. yeah, and I think part of the tension of what you guys are talking about, what you're talking about unifying but also dividing, but a part of that healthy Catholicity and that ecumenism that you're talking about is a biblical understanding of, of the biblical antithesis mm -hmm. that's laid out in the film. It's Christ or mm -hmm. There's no There's no in-between. You're either taking dominion faithfully for God or keeping ground or no or you're taking you're you're building apostate what I would call yeah. small c culture and in an yeah. unfaithful way you're taking dominion for the kingdom of satan there's only two everybody takes dominion everybody builds culture and everybody does it based on their most religious preconceptions like joe Boot did a great job at saying Culture is just essentially religion externalized. It's inescapable. And that's what you see that marks all these men we're talking about, is that understanding of that necessary biblical antithesis that you and your sermon today pointed out. It's on page, it's in the third chapter, when sin, sin enters in, and it's only destroyed by the consummation of the new heavens and the new earth. And we've lost that, right? And that's so much, if you read the scriptures, when the church is at its weakest mm -hmm. and floundering, what are they trying to do? They're trying to synthesize the kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light. Mm -hmm. yeah. They're comfortable in this world, so they're trying to make peace with it. If I may, if I may, Matt, mm -hmm. you picture as, as, a, as a preacher for the last 25, 30 years, for the most part, we have not held to an antithesis. And I think this language is going to be pretty jarring for not only a lot of us in the church, but especially for us in, in, in wider Canadian culture. An antithesis is, is antithetical, if I may, to Canadian culture, which we have determined is multiculturalism. There's, there's the multiplicity of ways to approach life and all have advantages and disadvantages and, and we can sort of navigate our way through. And this is being celebrated right up until very recently in that in that clip in the documentary about celebrating Ramadan and Chinese horoscope and these all these wonderful ways of accessing your heritage. And to push an antithesis, I think, is a radical return for Canadians to a more biblical worldview. And for those, you know, you talk about a preacher, we have failed to do this. We have said, look, there is God. Um, and then, and then there are, there are really bad people who might've hit rock bottom and you need to come to Christ. And then there's maybe people in the middle who we would say, look, you're great people. You're wonderful people. And, um, you know, maybe you're just looking for something more. 
you know, maybe, maybe you need something to fulfill you that you're not finding fulfillment in yet. And we have preached this third way gospel where you might be really bad or you might already be a Christian, but you might just be an average Canadian who's getting along well and you pay your taxes and you're a good person and you're maintaining that cultural middle ground. And what we have found is that the antithesis has not allowed us to retain this middle ground. And if you are an un, a non-Christian listener, we want to affirm you in the recognition that there is no more middle ground. And this is why we are calling you to embrace an antithetical view of life, that there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And as Matt well said, we know the prince of darkness and we know the king of light. And so we proclaim that in our cultural analysis. And, and, and that's why when we an, analyze COVID or digital IDs, we, we do so considering which kingdom does this serve? Does this serve the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness? And so I think, as Mike said, returning to that is a critical aspect of who we are and how we are going to lead our nation and our people um, in the next 20 years, let's say. Um, and this is a slow turnaround right we want a flash pan solution to things but um it's going to take some time it's gotta it's gotta start in the church and here's like our church is experiencing it, it revival but it, the, and it happens one person at a time like doug wilson said that in documentary hmm. it's one person at a time it's one family at a time it's one church at a time like i heard of a church in northern ontario the pastors stood up and apologized for how they handled COVID because they were compliant. A few people got angry and left, and now the church is flourishing. Mm -hmm. They didn't even have to take a stand during the lockdown. All they had to do is repent. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like this mm -hmm. is a, this, this free grace of God, the living waters of God are available to these compliant state churches. And it's so simple. Repent. And he's such a gracious savior. Like he loves us so much that he still leaves the door open. I don't want to see these guys fully apostatize. Uh -huh. I want them to come to Jesus and I want them to experience in their church what we're experiencing in ours or what Harvest Bible Church in Windsor is experiencing or what Fairview Baptist in Edmonton or Calgary is like, like Tim Stevens, Fairview Baptist in Calgary just bought a new building where they're going to sit five, 600 people. Okay. Like this is, are they, that's the irony, Jacob, you go to any pastor's conference for the last 15 years outside of some of the more, uh, theologically focused conferences. Yeah. And what's the question? What's the pastoral question? What do we need to do to grow? What do you do to grow? And what we found out in COVID is be faithful. Just, be faithful. You know, I heard someone once say, this is what I want to be. I want to be the little woodpecker pecking away on the telephone pole. And then one day God shows up and he strikes the telephone pole, splits it straight down the middle with a bolt of lightning. Huh, I did that? <laughs> <laughs> All we've been doing is going tick, tick, tick for years up here in our little cornfield in Waterloo north of Waterloo, Breslau, whatever, where we were before. And then all of a sudden, God showed up with a bolt of lightning, split the thing wide open it, with blessing. And so, and that's available to people. 
key. But what's the key, though? You said it. What's the key? Repentance. It's, and that was something in the documentary that came out clear. And one of the things that I don't think can be understated, and I thought was, I don't know if this was a part of the original storyboarding when, when, when the idea came out, but there was a section where all of the men, Tim, yourself, Alex, James, it was repentance on display, mm -hmm. right? It was a, we didn't get it right at the beginning. That's right. And we oh, wish, oh. right? We wish we did it differently. Alex but but all of them, though, wow. he, Tim, Tim, you know, Tim, when he talked about yeah, how but, yeah. the, this sense of it was happening, and we realized we couldn't do it anymore. Like that, the willing, the, the, the recognition that we didn't get it right. I, I talk, we talked about this with Tim and James. We interviewed them yesterday. And I told them, like, they both admitted as well. We didn't, you know, we did this at the beginning. We wish we did it differently. And then we repented. Like, that, that's the piece that's, that's missing. And that is something, unfortunately, we're seeing now with this whole pandemic amnesty is let's circumvent repentance. Mm -hmm. And let's just forgive and move on without repentance. And you, it's impossible. And, it's, and what, they don't, what, what the people who are refusing to repent don't realize is to me, they look exactly like the Pharisees that say to Jesus, but we're fine. And Jesus says, well, yeah, but you're, you're, you're not blind, but your, 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 your unrepentance, your willingness to recognize, like you quoted from Revelation, that you're, you're blind, you're, you're poor, you're, you're pitiful, you're naked. Don't you realize this is what's going on? And they think, they think that by repenting, It'll convey some sort of weakness or I was wrong and what other people think and what they don't what they don't see is that when you guys actually repented and publicly did so before your churches, that was that was the start of the coming on the other side of it. And that 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 was a I think a a, a, a key theme that came through the documentary is the, the necessity it, of it, repentance. It's not, it, it's not weak. It, it, it's not weakness. It, it models tenderheartedness mm -hmm. in your shepherds. The, you're, you're, you, I mean, you've all dealt with counseling in biblical situations mm -hmm. and met with people who are unable and unwilling to repent of their sins. Mm -hmm. But what an amazing opportunity as the leaders of a body to repent and model that for mm -hmm. people and say it doesn't mean if repentance doesn't mean weakness. Mm -hmm. it, it means it means tenderheartedness and mm -hmm. having a pliable heart and 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 that's a, something that should mark all christians mm -hmm. there, there's something that's at the root of this that we need everybody who's listening and, and whoever who's going to share this with their pastors and god willing there will be many more you know wow we heard from germany people watch that they, they've been encouraged by by james <laughs> and by Canada would be an example <laughs> In Steve, Germany. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we've heard, we've had over 100 churches represented here. We've had people like Matthew who said, you guys, my church still hasn't figured this out. There's a key thing here. Repentance is a proclamation of faith. And the issue is this uh, enlightenment reason that so many of these pastors and many of our Christian friends who don't talk to us anymore, you ask them, give me your biblical conviction. Give me your biblical evidence. Give me 
what God's word says. And their response was always back to, well, God gave me a brain and I'm going to reason my way through this. And it's not this strategy. It's not. So the repentance is. And it, or would you and have me is, take a ticket or then shut down my church? Yeah. Or, or, or um, yeah. yeah, like we've got to close or they'll shut us down. Like, they, you know, it, it's Proverbs 3, 5. Do not lean on your own understanding. And there's such an inflation of understanding. So then when we're convictional, they think we're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. They think we're now just more egotistic, like more confident in ourselves and doing the same thing they're doing. But it's not true. We're, we're going back to the word of God. I literally made the decisions for our church and walked our elders through Leviticus 13, 14 sanitization laws to say, what does the Bible say about curtailing an infectious disease, which our medical communities have been yeah. doing for years? Quarantine mm-hmm. the sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, if someone's visibly sick, you let people know so they stay away from you if you're if you have to go out mm-hmm. um testing like all these things we, we literally went through it we paralleled it with what the modern medical community has been doing for years and there would have been absolutely no it was it was presupposing by faith that god knows what he's doing and so we i, I just don't want us to talk about repentance in a vacuum it is a repentance of depending upon human okay. reason. And so many pastors are infighting. Those three conferences happened this weekend. Mm-hmm. The conference that we're at right now, the Fellowship National Conference of over 500 churches across Canada. Mm-hmm. And the... Weak and Weary Saints. The, 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 the TGC. Conference. Yeah. And if we're all honest, I bet you 10 bucks that all three, all three conferences... The substance of their conferences was likely 80% in agreement. Except it is when you go out and now you're not making doctrinal formal statements in a vacuum. And you have to live by faith in the moment. That's what they need to repent of. It is this dependence on their own reason. Uh And we compel all people. Stop. Do not lead on your understanding. Because what is that? In all your ways, acknowledge him. It's what that. He will direct your path. It's what that dependence upon their own reason produces that is what makes repentance necessary. And, and, and what that produces, I think, are two things that, that ultimately are – so we ask the question, why didn't they get it? Why, you know, why, why are they shutting down? Why the hard-heartedness? What's, what's driving it? And what their own reason or thinking produces are, one, fear, mm-hmm. right? Because their reasoning produces fear. Fear, the government will shut me down. People will leave my church legitimately the virus and what happens after I die or public opinion. So there's fear that comes from the reason and then pride, right? Like then this is, again, this is something I appreciate. I've been, you know, we'll talk about favorite moments. I think my favorite moment of the documentary was a willingness to, as Gordon would say, open up the kimono for everyone to take a peek. It's a, a public repentance, right? What like a it's delicate public. way of describing repentance. But, but, but that is a humiliating thing to do, yeah. right? Like it's not just enough to say, I said sorry to my church, mm-hmm. right? And my church knows about it. But it's another thing to say, not in a self-congratulatory way, but in an honest, humble way, 
that that repentance is public, not just to your church, but to everyone, like for them to know, Alex, right? To say, I, and Alex has, Alex has said to a lot of people, I was wrong, I did it. So it's, it's a, it's a multi-tiered kind of public repentance. It's my church and for the whole world to see my shame, which is, which is what sets up the beauty of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? That I can air out my shame, my failure, my sin, in a not in a way that's braggadocious but just to see you know like like paul would say i was this i was this i was this i was zealous i was murdering christians i was the worst of it uh but but god even in his mercy mm-hmm. even in his grace affection upon me like that's and that that piece is missing from from those conferences in the other side it's just if you would just admit you were wrong, honest repentance, not only will they see a blessing in their church, but I think I could speak for us and every other guy, that there is a wholesale willingness to say, oh man, praise God, welcome. Welcome. Yes. Yeah, we're, yes, like, absolutely. And no sense of, we told you so, and holding it over them, but, uh, oh, thank goodness. You know, if, if it's certain guys, they are going to get like a little pat on the bottom and say, I told you so, come on. Right. But you do that. But we're but glad like to be people. You know. so. Yeah, like the when Paul talks about church discipline, it's yeah. when they repent, all right, back in. Like, welcome back welcome, to the family, boys. Welcome back in. Yeah. And right in like, and any and welcome, brother, and you can be trusted again. Maybe we got to unfold the level of trust because of what we saw but it's yeah welcome back it's actually and and sam you go because i know you want to say something but it's actually welcome to the war because that is why the title of this conference was so important Mm -hmm. welcome to the war Hmm. we're on the winning side Mm -hmm. it's going to get bloody no bloodier than the lord's blood on the cross Mm -hmm. come to the war Mm-hmm. Put on your armor. Put on your armor yeah. and let let's live a glorious life. Like mm-hmm. let's like to the glory of God confidently. Mm-hmm. Go for it, Sam. All right, guys. Uh yeah, on that note, and just to our listeners, um we are talking about living our Christian faith in a public way. We're, we're sort of trying to dispense with the this old version where you think sort of Christianity is sort of what somebody does on the weekends privately before they come back to work on Monday. But we really are talking about living out the the ethics and the law and the obedience and the worship of Jesus Christ everywhere, in every sphere, in every institution, um, because that is what provides, uh, well, that that is what Jesus is due, is what his reward is, but it's also what provides the greatest blessing for the greatest number of people. The kingdom of God is described as a small seed that grows into a bush that is so large that all of the birds of the air come and find refuge in it. And that's a picture of what we want for those all around us, that they can take refuge in the blessing of obedience to Jesus Christ. Guys, if you could quickly, favorite moment from the film, uh, we got Andrews, the kimono peak, uh, figurative, of course, Uh, Mike, then Matt, and then Jacob, if you can pick a, a favorite moment from the film before we wrap up tonight. Uh, I've got five. Um, if you're going to share more than one, I'm going to give a second. So keep it to one. I have zero. I don't think like that. My wife hates it. She always asks me favorites. So you guys can. You, so you, you take this. So I get yours. That's awesome. you, yeah, yeah, go to. Go to. Go and I'll give one more. Uh, I'll go funny. Hey, these are my rules. 
So the, the, the favorite, the funniest moment is where the camera does catch Jacob. With the sunglasses in the truck? With a glorious laugh <laughs> that shows like like exuberant joy in the face of facing his enemy well. And I like I, you, you, you always look for in those action movies where where the where there's a little bit of joy that I'm doing the right thing. And it it captured that. And the whole audience rave and again everybody needs to realize Jacob was at a you know, everybody stood on their feet and applauded. Jacob sat quietly. He didn't want attention. Like Jacob, for all of the attention you've gotten, you don't really seek it. And then the documentary forces, like I'm sure that was an editorial decision by Jeremy, just forces to see it. We saw it a bit in the show, but that was definitely a favorite. Uh, that was my favorite. Uh, that was a Jeremy before. editorial decision. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He took which, the editorial which, liberty. Yeah, which, which, <laughs> shout out to Jeremy Bundy. Oh, I do in the film. Absolutely. JKB Productions, yeah. world class. Yep. Ser- seriously amazing. Yeah. Great guy. Quality-wise, as good as any documentary I've seen. And that's not an exaggeration. Also, as somebody who does a bunch of production and sits in front of screen and does all the the tedious work, shout out to the two people that helped him edit the film in Tim Tyso and Ryan Harris as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's my favorite. It's all the hard work that these guys put into the film. Absolutely. Tim, Tim, you did a great job. Uh, The... The, the 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 serious moment or the turn moment was the repentance mm-hmm. part where you saw all of the guys talking about this so similar to yours and then uh steve richardson steve richards i was getting richardson it's, it's richardson, it, I got right yeah, richardson. Yeah. steve richardson where he just said the music turns and seems like we heard that something was going on he said he just says like we heard about what was going on at trinity and then we decided, and you just kind of caught the courage. And that's another side of things that you learn in this film mm. is that courage is contagious in the same way that fear and stupidity are. Mm. Our courage is contagious. And you see that all throughout the film. Yeah, guys are hearing stories of other guys, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. No one did say, I heard the story of Michael Thiessen and I thought to do anything at all, mm-hmm. but that's okay. But we all love Michael. Yeah. You know what? And it, it's it's funny. You have a you have a great moment. So I'll give my one good moment. It's when <laughs> I, I can't even remember what you said. Oh, it was after a clip. Yeah. of a guy who literally said that he like read the passage and then said the opposite thing. Yeah, yeah. You said yeah. Sure, it tells us to gather, but does it tell us that? Gather? Yeah, to, 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 together. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean together. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The, uh, the, I, if, if I'm going to pick another one, because um, why not? It was yeah, we're later. Our... It's when, uh, when John Koopman said, and when we saw this happening he, um, in the documentary, he said, and I said, so we're not the only ones? Steve Flippin. It was Steve Flippin. Was it Steve? Yeah. I had that exact moment, yeah. like that moment when he said that. That was a teary moment for me because I remember. <laughs> I remember that moment mm-hmm. in my own life when, you know, in the city where we are, everyone, everyone, everyone shut down and complied, 
and like we don't have history with the denomination or a network or a connection. I've never taught at a, a seminary. And so it was like, oh, what's going on in the world? And there was no True North didn't exist. There was no Bright Light News at the time. Rebel was maybe like, so it was, there was nothing in terms of it being broadcast. And I remember seeing an episode of Cross Politic, shout out to FLF Network. And you were on it. Tim Stevens was on it. And James Kitchen was on it. And this was, I believe this was right after James Coates was arrested. Mm. And I'm watching this episode because I'd watched this podcast for a while. And then I saw the three of you on it. And Gabe was like, these are Canadian guys. And I had that moment in, in, in my soul. And I might have said it out loud. I'm like, there are more. There are more. Like, I'm not, there are more of them out there. It's not the only one. And then the, the process of reaching out to you and getting connected with you know, I, I remember that first that 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 Skype call or that that Zoom call we had with yourself, and you were on it, and Tim was on it, and that that moment of I'm not the only one, and then opening up this world of faithful brothers, and then seeing that grow, yeah, that 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 moment was another powerful one because that was, those were my words in you? February of 2020, 2021. You know what I really liked watching, is Joe Boo jumping out of his skin talking about the glories of mother england yes <laughs> <laughs> like he just gets so animated like he gets so excited <laughs> that is so well said jacob he's popping out of his seat talking about property law and nationhood oh he just jumps out of his skin and every time oh. he says law he says lore the lore of god the lore <laughs> of god <laughs> Uh, Jacob, did you have any other parts that really struck home for you that you said, this is really the, this is the crown jewel of the film. What was your, what was the pinnacle for you watching that? What was your favorite moment besides Joe? No, that's it. That's memorable. That, that's it. Okay. That's fine. I've watched through these clips so many times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's really hard for me okay. to say. Let, let go to, I'll, I'll give you another favorite part. Yeah. We were all sitting behind. In watching the premiere, we were all sitting behind James. Yeah. We were sitting behind Tim. So James and Aaron are sitting there. Tim and Raquel are sitting there. Aaron and Susie were all up there. Yeah. That was another favorite part. Watching their, you know, every, nobody, everyone, everyone secretly wants to sound intelligent and confident and good. Mm -hmm. But nobody's really there going, I don't want the scene to be about me. Mm -hmm. But it was about them. And so it was watching that the, the families connect with each other as their stories were retold, this time in a way that wasn't maligning their character, mm -hmm. but, but, put, but telling the truth about the matter. Mm -hmm. Mike, that, that was fun. And I think, I'm just speaking on behalf of you, I think that was fun for you because we were mm -hmm. looking around at each other every once in a while going that, you know, you could see people enjoying it. I really liked so I could I had Jeremy Bundy within eyeshot so he was he's a row over to my left and I could see him and Kelsey sitting there and so I liked watching Jeremy yeah. <laughs> sit there and watch his Pretend production his yeah. no he's just sitting there so intensely mm -hmm. you know because I know artist. how like Jeremy has worked so hard on this he's an artist. and and I loved watching him watch his movie mm -hmm. and that was great so that was fun um, I, i'm gonna I, jump sorry go ahead jacob 
No, I think that I think the the what I think I really hope the penny dropped for people mm-hmm. to show like my heart is with this whole conference is twofold to show that we are dealing with antichrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to encourage people in the tools that God's given us to fight him. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve Richardson brought me, you know, he ripped me up last night, which is such a good sermon. And then I know James and Tim are going to preach tomorrow. But I, I think, I really hope, I suspect the penny dropped for people watching that documentary. I think it did. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think it did? I, I think it did. And I, I, you actually, when you say that phrase, the penny drop, it's actually greatly ironic, right? Because on one hand, you've got these people who were, were hoping everybody hears that we're actually in a spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, we're talking about very practical issues, mm-hmm. compelling people to understand who their enemy is. You talked about it. You talk, so yes, I, I think the penny dropped, and if mm-hmm. people give this movie mm-hmm. an honest listen, mm-hmm. get past some of the honest critique uh-huh. of both our government and our culture. And the, and the pastors we're at and, odds with. And the, and, and the pastors. Yeah. I think that the penny will drop for lots. Something else that I think came out of the documentary was the oh, accessibility yeah. of you guys. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the... I think that in, in many ways, guys, guys like yourself and Aaron, in certain circles, have kind of become rock starry in in a good way, right? And not in a, not in an idolizing way, but in a yeah, he he represents, he's fighting for, he leads his people in such a way that people who are churches who guys aren't doing that are like, oh man, I, you know, like how I long to see that kind of faithfulness in my own church. Mm-hmm. And then other pastors, we look at and, you know, a follow me as I follow Christ kind of way. So there's this, there's this good admiration, but the, the accessibility of the guys in the documentary that is real men with, with real struggles who are, they're like, they're regular guys, they're accessible. And they're, they're, they're just, it's, I just felt that sense of like, everyone's watching the documentary and they're thinking, Oh yeah, I know him. I could be his friend. It's and to highlight your point, literally the the guy you're talking about, Aaron Rock, has thousands of people at his church. Mm-hmm. When I reached out to him mm-hmm. for mentorship, mm-hmm. he didn't hesitate. No, he didn't hesitate. That's Aaron. Yeah, he he did not hesitate at this conference. Elder training going on. Oh, mm-hmm. Jacob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, elder training. Like, mm-hmm. Well, Aaron did the elder training. Yeah, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, I but, thought that was great. They put it in a closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All these elders were in this really yeah, yeah, it was, mm-hmm. it was good. It was boiling. But he put, like, yeah. that's just who he is, yeah. right? That's not a show. It's not just an act to totally. gain followers. Nobody knew, knew that. <laughs> I outed them. <laughs> but, no, like, he just wanted to be there to talk through things with me and, mm-hmm. and mentor me. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is just speaks volumes yeah. to what you're talking about. The Lord has honored faithfulness. And he has exalted you guys in a good way because you've been humble and faithful. Mm-hmm. And I trust that he surrounded you with the right people to to keep you guys from getting a bigger head than you need to. But clear is it is evident. I've, I've said this before. It is evident that the Lord is is honoring your faithfulness and your conviction and the fact that there is a humility about it that is both attractive and clearly is, is producing fruit. 
And I, I, you know, Steve last night when he talked about that it's not about us, I agree. But I think that Tobias made a very excellent point when he got up and shared that you give honor where honor is due, right? Like we're in our church, we're going through First Timothy right now. And, and, and what does he say in First Timothy 6? Let the elders who rule well be deserving of double honor, especially those who labor in the preaching and the teaching. And there is... There is a rightful honoring that is due to men who conduct themselves honorably and rule well. And I think that goes for the guys in the documentary and for the, for, for the pastors who've been faithful. And so I think it's right to, to honor you guys. I think it's something that that is something in particular that our culture is craving. It, our culture, has, it, 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 there's a vacuum for true honor. There's a vacuum for true conviction and true um uh, belief. And I think to, to rightly honor the men behind what went on in the last three years and the men who sort of spurred it on is a balm on our society. And again, the, all of these things have cultural value. And so I think a lot of good has come from this documentary already, even in its making. Let's talk about those families watching that. Mike, I like that picture that you gave and Jeremy, who's sitting there, and I, he literally crisscrossed this country um, to make to to capture all of that, um, and the this the continent and 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 the technical challenges that we overcame, Jeremy and I, on, on the phone every single morning, troubleshooting and mapping out this film, and um, it this after three years, almost three years of ridicule and friendly fire and opposition mainly from the church and misunderstanding and cultural warfare that many of us did not seek. Uh, this film is our answer. And, and that's what I believe is, is one of the great blessings of it. This is our answer. This is why we did it in our own words. And, and I think all of these pastors speak for me uh, when they explain what happened and why they did it and what the fruit was. Um, and none of us, I know, would trade anything about the last three years for where God has brought us and what he has done. And despite the fact that we acknowledge our, our, our nation is under judgment and in very many ways, the United States, I mean, the Senate in the United States just passed the same rotten, wicked stench of a bill uh, re recognizing sodomite marriage as Canada did. There, there's a path of wickedness that is being relentlessly pursued. And when we acknowledge that, we also would never trade what God has done in the hearts and minds of his people and, and the people that he's bringing into the church because of the darkness that has been shrouded over these nations. And um, and I will give my honor where it's due to men like Tim Stevens and Jacob Rayum and uh, James Coates and Michael Thiessen and Andrew D. Bartolo and uh, Nate Wright and Joe Boot and uh, Aaron Rock and Steve Richardson, and John Koopman, and truly the list goes on. Um, but these men are, are deserving of the honor that they get. I know they're not looking for it, but we will all cast our crowns down before Jesus Christ. And uh, it has just been an absolute honor to work on this film. I'm excited to see the fruit of it, um, but it's just been a privilege here kind of debriefing the film with you guys here in the, uh, in the hours immediately following its screening. So thank you, Jacob, Andrew, Matt and Michael for being with me um, to, to do this show. Uh, listeners, if you want to respond to this, leave a comment, 
on our Rumble channel or send an email to info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Um, yell at Mike Thiessen about some of the stuff you heard. Uh, he would love to hear from you. Um, but uh, Jacob, thank you for the perseverance of putting this together and uh, for making sure it got funded. And uh, what a joy. Quickly, if you go to the Antichrist documentary website, you can sign up for updates. Great. And what we'll do is we'll let you know when we're releasing it to the public. So Perfect. if you sign up for updates on, what is it, antichristdocumentary.com? Mm-hmm. We'll put the link in our Rumble channel. In Rumble yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get and it we'll out. let you know when it's available. Yep. And so uh, with that, gentlemen, thank you for being with me on the Liberty Lounge with Tim Tyso. And we will see you next time in the lounge.